lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, and all of you. 888-900-3393 is the number. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Over on Parler at Steve Dace. And then check out our new and probably soon to be extinct YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Steve Dace as well. Also check out my new book, A Nefarious Carol. It is releasing on December the 15th, so just a little bit more than a month from now. It is the novella sequel to my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, that we are adapting to a movie as we speak. Get your pre-order in today, just in time for Christmas, not just yours, but my kids, because I'm kind of blowing the wad on Disney World next week. So if the kids are going to have any presents under the tree, it's I'm done. So it's really going to be up to y'all. Uh, they're they're counting on you, by the way, to, to make sure that they have a Christmas. And, and the book's not bad, I guess. I mean, you've read it. It's okay, right? I got through it a, two, a few times yeah, by, right. you know, muscling through it. it, yeah. it it's nothing special. Um, but my kids, they are. So buy the book. How was that? Perfect. Was that good? Perfect. All right. Get your pre-order right now at Amazon.com. Thanks to all of you that have already responded to my very clever marketing techniques. All right. Coming up on the show today at the bottom of the hour, Benjamin Weigarten will be here. He is with The Federalist. We're going to talk about voter fraud. Are we seeing it? Is there evidence of it? More on that here in a moment. Next hour. We are going to spend the entire hour on fake news or not. And we're going to have a reckoning with America's polling industry, as well as my attempt to pour through the exit polling data and see if any of it actually makes sense or should be taken seriously. So I think you're going to definitely want to listen to the next hour, watch the next hour, maybe even a couple of times with the amount of data that we're going to go through next hour. And then don't forget it for four years from now. Should we survive that long as a country? And frankly, I have my doubts. Uh, But should we survive that long? You, You definitely do not want to forget the data that we are about to share with you. How off were the polls? Well, you're going to find out next hour. That's coming your way. Want to welcome a brand new partner here to the program. It's called Patriot Penguin. Are you sick and tired of overpriced greeting cards that don't even say what you really want them to say? Well, for years, Americans have been stuck in the greeting card section reading sappy, incoherent messages that are kind of frankly weak. Uh, And they look like something that's been written by a Joe Biden speechwriter. So a lot of single syllable words in a teleprompter. Uh, But those days are over thanks to Patriot Penguin, the first and only greeting card company for conservatives that also, though, has a bigly sense of humor from birthdays to Christmas. Patriot Penguin has a wide selection of cards that will trigger your snowflake friends and relatives. And please remind the like minded 
or plus remind the like-minded that you don't drink the Kool-Aid out there. All their cards are designed and printed right here in the good old US of A as well. So go to PatriotPenguin.com right now. Save on a four card for $22 deal with the offer code Steve. Four cards for just $22. And remember to place your order by December the 15th uh, to guarantee arrival before Christmas. All right, so make Christmas cards great again with Patriot Penguin. Four cards for just $22 with the offer code Steve at PatriotPenguin.com. Offer code Steve at PatriotPenguin.com. And now, here's Aaron with a very important addition of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by... The key here, as in other states, is is there... Not just evidence of widespread corruption, but evidence of any corruption. Baseless claims by the president and his supporters. Spreading a series of unsubstantiated claims that the election has been rigged against him. There has been no evidence of any significant or widespread voter fraud. Where I have a real problem with what's going on is when a president starts alleging voter fraud without evidence of that. Ultimately, you need to have sufficient admissible evidence to prove your claim. We ought to stop saying that if there is evidence, there is no evidence. Uh, There is no credible evidence of voter fraud. Unleashing a barrage of false claims of fraud and corruption without evidence. You wanted evidence? Well, evidence is rolling in like a river right now, even as the goalposts move from claims of voter fraud to widespread claims of voter fraud. We'll start with the affidavits. In Michigan, a poll watcher signed an affidavit saying they witnessed, quote, several thousand ballots inputted illegally. Every ballot was being fraudulently and manually entered as having been born on January 1st, 1900. When I asked about the impossibility, I was told instruction came down from Wayne County. Another poll watcher in Detroit signed a separate affidavit saying at 4.30 a.m. the day after the election, Tens of thousands of ballots were delivered from out of state. Quote, unlike the other ballots, these boxes were brought in from the rear of the room. I specifically noticed every ballot I observed was cast for Joe Biden. Another sworn affidavit from GOP poll watcher and former assistant attorney general in Michigan, Zachary Larson, alleges poll workers were processing ballots from voters who did not appear on the poll book, meaning they were either illegal votes altogether or unregistered, also illegal. Another sworn affidavit from a Detroit elections worker says, quote, I was instructed by my supervisor to adjust the mailing date of these absentee ballot packages to be dated earlier than they were actually sent. The supervisor was making an announcements for all workers to engage in this practice. A lawsuit brought about against Wayne County election officials by the Great Lakes Justice Center alleges the aforementioned items, as well as allegations that election workers coached voters to vote for Joe Biden and Democrats, that election workers used false information to process ballots and registering new voters as having a birth date of January 1st, 1900, and that election officials refused to record challenges to their processes and remove challengers from the if they politely voiced a challenge. The key here, as in other states, is is there 
not just evidence of widespread corruption, but evidence of any corruption. In Wisconsin, WISN Radio reports that county and municipal clerks, as well as poll workers across Wisconsin, may have unlawfully altered witness statements on thousands of mail-in ballots across the state. Wisconsin Statute 6.86 provides that an absentee ballot must be signed by a witness who is also required to list his or her address. If a witness address is not listed, the ballot is considered invalid and must be returned to the voter to have the witness correct. Instead, multiple sources told WISN Radio municipal clerks and vote counters across the state simply filled out witness signatures themselves. Furthermore, quote, anticipating a legal challenge to this seemingly highly unlawful advice, the Wisconsin Election Commission instructed clerks to write these witness addresses in red pen so that they would be easy to find during a recount or audit of the vote. Donald Trump lost Wisconsin by fewer than 21,000 votes. Baseless claims by the president and his supporters. Spreading a series of unsubstantiated claims that the election has been rigged against him. In Nevada, an election worker's affidavit claims voters were allowed to cast provisional ballots without a valid Nevada ID or driver's license if they could merely offer proof of an upcoming appointment at the DMV. Glendale, Arizona, city in Maricopa County, saw ballots swiped from mailboxes. The Arizona Attorney General's office reported that a worker at a farm located a stack of unopened mail-in ballots three days after the election and contacted Glendale police. Donald Trump is behind in Arizona by fewer than 16,000 votes. There has been no evidence of any significant whites or widespread voter fraud. In Pennsylvania, a mail carrier says in a sworn affidavit that his superiors instructed him and his cohorts to collect late ballots, which were then backdated to make them appear as though they had been postmarked on Election Day. Richard Hopkins, who lives in Erie, said he overheard a supervisor talking about the backdating operation, and letter carriers were told to pick up ballots through Friday. Even though under Pennsylvania's current rules, ballots were supposed to have been mailed by Tuesday, though they could be delivered to election officials through Friday and still be counted. Where I have a real problem with what's going on is when a president starts alleging voter fraud without evidence of that. One of the more strange anomalies in this election involves Dominion Voting Systems, a company that sells electronic voting hardware and software. Dominion's products served 71 million voters in 1,600 jurisdictions in 2016. Georgia election officials in 2019 selected Dominion to provide a new statewide voting system for 2020 against the protests of election integrity activists. According to the Associated Press, a federal judge, quote, expressed serious concerns about Georgia's new election system, but declined to order the state to abandon its touchscreen voting machines in favor of hand-marked paper ballots for the November election. The night before the presidential election in Georgia, a software update was uploaded to Dominion's machines. The update, whatever it was, caused a glitch in Morgan and Spalding counties that temporarily prevented voters from casting machine ballots. Marsha Ridley, election supervisor at Spalding County Board of Election, told Politico the company, quote, uploaded something last night which is not normal and it caused a glitch. That is something that they don't ever do. I've never seen them update anything the day before the election, end quote. Something similar happened in Gwinnett County around the same time, affecting at least 80,000 mailed absentee ballots. Ultimately, you need to have 
sufficient admissible evidence to prove your claim. Back in Michigan, a glitch with Dominion Software caused Antrim County to mistabulate its vote total and flip the reliably red county blue. After the discrepancy was discovered, it was corrected. Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson says the discrepancy was caused by quote-unquote user error. We ought to stop saying that if there is evidence... There is no evidence. Uh, There is no credible evidence of voter fraud. And finally, here's Judicial Watch with their September study finding 353 U.S. counties in 29 states had voter registration rates exceeding 100 percent. In other words, the registration rates in those counties exceeded 100 percent of eligible voters. The study found eight states showing statewide registration rates exceeding 100 percent. Alaska, Colorado, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, Rhode Island, and Vermont. Unleashing a barrage of false claims of fraud and corruption without evidence. You wanted evidence? You've got evidence. And that's what happened while we were away. That outstanding montage by Aaron is brought to you by Keeps. Have you noticed your hair isn't looking as full as it used to? Well, it's no fun losing your hair. There is a couple of options. One is you can go to your doctor for a hair loss treatment prescription, then visit the pharmacy and try not to go broke while you're also trying to avoid going bald. Or you can go to Keeps and do everything from the comfort of your own home where you're going to get the same doctor-recommended FDA hair loss treatment, but... Keeps offers the generic versions, so you're going to get it for about half the cost. Uh, And then you're going to get all the convenience of doing it all from home. It's all online. Just answer a few questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and a licensed doctor will review your info and recommend the right hair loss treatment for you. That's shipped right to your door. And then there's one more incentive. How about 50% off your first order on top of those savings? So 50% off your first order right now to get you started at keeps.com slash grow. That's K-E-E-P-S for keeps.com slash grow. In the overtime today, we're going to talk about, uh, this is now the second time in the last week that Tucker Carlson has gone on the air on Fox and essentially rebuked his own network. And... Are we heading for a divorce over there? I mean, given the way that Fox is just lifting a cheek and crap in the bed daily right now, are we heading for a divorce, the most watched show in the history of cable news on the most, well, what used to be the most watched network in the history of cable news? Are they headed for a divorce over there? And if so, what's it mean for conservative media and the conservative movement? We'll get into that today in the overtime. BlazeTV.com slash Dace is where you can go to get our most important discount ever with the promo code Steve at BlazeTV.com slash Dace. That's also where you can watch the overtime. We tape it after the Daily Show, and then you'll be able to watch it on demand later today at BlazeTV.com. Slash days. And I just want to underscore that. That is taped. It is not live. Yes. It's worth reminding. Yes. Folks. I got 80 emails about yeah. that yesterday. Mm-hmm. It, it's taped after the normal uh, show every single day. You can't watch it live because we have to tape it because something else comes on live after we're off the air. So let's get to what is inside of Aaron's montage. And Todd, I'm going to start with a blanket question for you. Do you believe and and Aaron, you did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. That montage also could have been 10 minutes longer. Do you believe there's at least 
because you were saying, hey, yesterday, we got to see, I mean, they've got to, they got to nail this, right? I think you made a comment about this yesterday with the fraud allegations, right? By they, you mean the, the Trump administration? The Trump administration. Yeah, the Trump campaign. All right. So do you believe there's what we, in, in the legal circles, they call prima facie evidence, meaning there's enough surface evidence to suspect something is worthy of further investigation. Do you believe that that was presented in Aaron's montage? Of course. And I didn't need Aaron's montage uh, to believe that. <clears throat> what I said yesterday uh, regarding Trump basically is an extension of what we used to talk about back in the day uh, with Roy Moore, as it applies specifically to Donald Trump defending his presidency. I And it, it's a, this is a much bigger deal, but as it applies to his survival, I can't care about that more than he cares about it. So he's he's got to make the case. His administration has got to make the case. And I know you believe that, Steve, because it's why you, uh, in a tongue-in-cheek mode, when um, um, the attorney general finally showed up, you said, hey, he's still alive. Bill Barr, yes. yeah. He so, lives. Yes, they've got to do the job. I mean, that, that's... And listen, I make no apologies about my defense of Trump uh, this year, why I got on board with his camp, uh, pan, campaign, but as it applies to Aaron's montage, here's the thing. We, we need to care about this for reasons that go way beyond the name of Donald Trump. If you do not understand the depths of the Orwellian moment we live in, after listening to all that and he didn't even include jake tapper as far as i can tell so that's a whole nother uh different story we've got to fight this regardless of whether donald trump wins the white house this notion that uh we can survive as a movement defending truth steve already this is another version of what i'm saying is what steve said yesterday about why he's going to say things in the overtime at least for the near term uh that he might not say on the show because the ability to imp simply breathe the oxygen of Socratic dialogue of conversation of putting all your chips in and say hey i got a pretty good argument bring your best to me we have no ability to believe that that is going to be around one year, two years. That's when Steve talks about whether this nation is going to survive. This is what we mean. This nation survives on First Amendment principles, freedom of uh, speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion. That means I got my ideas. You got yours. We're going to put our best all in. They're telling you. You're not allowed to do that because it's not even up for discussion. These guys make a lot of money. And apparently the only, the main caveat for them to be able to make the money they make on these shows is to go for full Orwell and say there's nothing to see here. If you fundamentally believe that this country can exist as the United States of America in any principled way, you are lying to your damn self. So in Pennsylvania alone, in probably the two decisive counties, there's a, almost 700,000 ballots that were cast there that were not permitted to be observed. And that that is, at least that's what the Trump campaign is alleging. Um, and that, that will get adjudicated. What's not um, worthy of adjudication is Pennsylvania law doesn't permit that. And... What we have here is a situation 
that this this reminds me of uh, what the media tried to do, the level of gaslighting they tried to do with the Trump tax cut three years ago. Do you remember this? Sure. That you weren't getting you weren't getting a tax cut. And, and you know, we were all sitting around and on our show bitching and moaning that the tax cut wasn't big enough. Remember, remember. We were like crushing them from the right. That this, this, right. this, these are your puny tax cuts. And let's, I mean, I want to see some tax cuts, right? Well, the media tried to claim that they weren't cutting anybody's taxes. They were even running ads on television, telling people you weren't going to get a tax cut. Your taxes didn't get cut, and that forced us into a position where we actually had to defend a tax cut that we were spending a lot of our time at that moment criticizing for being wimpy, but because the, the lie was so brazen. And I remember saying at, at the time, this is a bold strategy, cop, because people are going to get their paychecks, right? Mm-hmm. And there's either going to be, remember we had these yes. conversations, yes. there's either going to be more money in your paycheck or there's not. You know what I mean? Right. Kind of, I mean, I, I mean, or there's not. And if there is and you didn't get a raise, well, then where did it right. come from? Right? The, the, you're obfuscating here about something that there's going to be a clear adjudication of. Well, the same thing is happening right now. See, this isn't, I've, I've, and, and people whose opinions I respect and I'm good friends with are very frustrated about the lack of political messaging from the Trump campaign. This isn't a political issue now. This is purely a legal battle now. And I could actually make the argument, I mean, we've seen federal courts and the U.S. Supreme Court actually rule against their own precedent and, and stated law on the basis of the things Trump says publicly, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would actually make the argument, it's actually pretty smart not to be out there uh, returning fire in the political arena because and and providing any more fodder and then just 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 let the facts of what did or or did not occur here speak for themselves in a court of law because here's the thing with the with the sworn affidavits they keep telling you there's no evidence well even if we didn't have anything other than sworn affidavits that's eyewitness testimony folks that's admissible evidence in any criminal court or civil court in the united states of america in fact, I believe it is perjurous to lie to any criminal or civil court in America in a sworn affidavit. One of the sworn affidavits from Michigan is from the former assistant attorney general of the state. I got to believe he is aware of perjury laws, right? You would assume? Mm-hmm. So these people are all committing perjury. That's Is that possible? Yeah. Do you, I don't know these people. Do you know them? No. I'm not... I'm not investigated them. I don't know them. I've never met them. I don't have a means by which to adjudicate their claims. So is it possible that they're all committing perjury? Yeah, that's possible. But it's the only other possibility. Either these people lined up to commit perjury or they're telling the truth. And if they're telling the truth, that's evidence. And that's widespread evidence coming from Sworn affidavits in several states. Systemic evidence, evidence, in fact. So those people are all, I believe, didn't we impeach a president 
over lying under oath in a deposition yes. in a civil trial. Did we not? Yes. And then, and then perhaps lying under oath in a grand jury proceeding to a federal prosecutor who was the independent counsel at the time named Kenneth Starr, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that we did impeach, but the, but the original special counsel was appointed, well, it was originally appointed to look at Whitewater, and then it morphed into, did he lie under oath in a deposition about Paula Jones, right? Mm-hmm. And, then, and, and then it became impeachable did he lie under oath to a federal grand jury convened by the special counsel ken Starr, about the nature of whether he lied under oath to into the the civil uh proceeding or to Starr's investigators right right every one of those people is subject to a perjury conviction so they're they're some are liars all are liars or none are liars or some are telling the truth all are telling the truth or none are telling the truth. See, we're going to get some form of clarity here. This isn't being tried in the media. So turn all that off. That, that, that media coverage is all irrelevant. There's attorneys here. People like Jenna Ellis and others working for, that are not, these are serious lawyers, not Rudy Giuliani, who's largely a media figure now, right? Yeah. Okay. These are people who will get disbarred and never practice law ever again, guys. For submitting false affidavits into courts. They'll get disbarred. Their careers are over if they lied about this. And I think, what the hell's calling me? I think that that's not being said here by enough people because the shiny object is, is what's being tried. The, the tweets back and forth, the, 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 the chirons at the bottom of the screen, the news headlines, that's all the sideshow. But that's, that has nothing to do with what is actually taking place here. It, it really is full of sound and fury signifying absolute, less than nothing. Less than nothing. Because this is going to the Supreme Court. Because the Supreme Court's already involved. They've already issued an order for segregation of Pennsylvania ballots that were received after the deadline. The Supreme Court's already in this. So there, this isn't a, some kind of lobbying effort to get their attention and we have to win in the media. They're already involved. If you remember what happened with the Florida recount, folks, we're way down the road. We're way down the road of where we were in the Florida recount. That was largely relegated to the Florida State Supreme Court until the Bush campaign made an emergency cert request to the U.S. Supreme Court to get them to stop what was going on there in the middle of December. And the Supreme Court, under William Rehnquist, the Chief Justice, took the emergency cert and ruled five to four along partisan lines to stop the vote count and order it to be certified in the state of Florida. We're way down that road. We already have federal circuit. We have got federal court involvement. We've got the Supreme Court involvement. This is getting tried in the courts. And I think that's not being said enough because, because we're looking at this as a campaign. And so we're going back and forth and who's winning the talking point battles and whose tweets got ratioed and who got suspended from social media. None of that's relevant. This is all getting adjudicated now. Either the Trump campaign is, is lying to you and me, 
and their attorneys are getting disbarred and the people that sign those affidavits are going to be under suspicion, if not investigation of perjury or contempt of court. Or not. Or not. I mean, that that's what's going down here. I mean, Trump is actually doing here what we wanted him to do with the FISA warrants years ago. Get, let's go. Let's go right to the point. Let's get right to the point of this in a court. Declassify those warrants and get beyond the media scrum and the fog of war. Let's declassify those warrants and get and sit right down brass tacks. What was the rationale? The evidence they said that they had to go to a FISA court to get a warrant to monitor, surveil, spy, whichever word you prefer to use the Trump campaign. Right. Right. Well, they're doing that here. This that's what's going down here. They are making very specific legal claims here. This is not this is not your typical fog of war between the Trump White House and the media and both sides hate each other and think they're therefore justified in cutting corners or certain amount of chicanery or telling the truth Obi-Wan from a certain point of view. Uh-uh. Nope. People are doing sworn affidavits, folks. State legislatures are going into emergency sessions in three states. This poop's getting real. Either you and I are being gaslighted by the guy we voted for or not. I don't see much of a middle ground. Now, do I, do I, could I foresee the Supreme Court saying that there's clear evidence of irregularities? That they won't use the word fraud, although if... Clarence Thomas writes the minority opinion, they will. Uh, but they'll come up with some kind of way to split the baby in half. It, there were troubling irregularities. But not enough to overturn the election because they're worried that if they do, there'll be mass riots at John Roberts Brownstone in suburban D.C. That the BLM mobs will be at his house? I could see that. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. But they're going to render an opinion on this. They're going to render a verdict on this. I don't see any way around that. Very specific itemized allegations are being made and notarized in sworn affidavits. This isn't CNN versus MSNBC versus Fox. This isn't Anderson Cooper versus Tucker. This is real life, not pro wrestling. People are swearing things in sworn affidavits that are getting adjudicated or not. So buckle up. As I think this show is actually just getting started. More in a moment. You know, we do a lot of cool, fun things for our pets. We take them to uh, the groomers. We take them for walks. We put them on. uh, Well, some of you take them for bike rides, which is nuts, um, I think, anyway. Uh, But, uh, you know, we, we cuddle with them. We take care of them. We love on them. We got to make sure, though, they get the right nutrition as well, because chances are that store-bought food was stripped of all the stuff that they actually need. You know, the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, pre, probiotics, omega oils, et cetera. Same thing happens to we humans, by the way. That's why the supplement section is one of the largest sections in grocery stores these days. And thankfully, now there's a supplement for your pet, and it's called Rough Greens. It's a powder that you sprinkle into the food your pet already loves. Mix it in, and they're going to love it even more, at least our dog 
Utah Cap does. But the best news is not just that, not just that it tastes good, but it's got all the good stuff that is missing from your pet's store-bought food. And right now, you can try it for two weeks to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less with the Jumpstart bag for only $14.95 at roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Let's continue on the conversation we just had uh, that was uh, inspired by the montage of the latest roundup of allegations of voter fraud around the country that Aaron just highlighted in his montage. Benjamin Weingarten has been following this as well for Newsweek and as a senior contributor over at The Federalist. It's good to have you with us, Benjamin. How are you? Steve, I'm well, and thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. Welcome to Blaze TV. Good to have you on the show here for the first time. So, so Benjamin, I was just making a point before we went to the break that I, I think a lot of our viewers and listeners here at Blaze TV Radio and Podcast are getting distracted by the media back and forth with voter fraud as if this is still an extension of the campaign. And so it's about, and I've even got friends of mine um, on our side who you know are frustrated. There's a lack of talking points or direction from the White House or the campaign. And I, I kind of see this the opposite way, that, that I think, that has almost no bearing on this at all. We've got people entering into courts of law, sworn affidavits, that they're guilty of perjury if, if they've misrepresented themselves. People like Jenna Ellis and Harmeet Dillon, uh, you know, the attorneys for the White House, they're getting disbarred. If, you know, just running some kind of, you know, uh, what the media would describe as a Trump gaslighting scam. People, you know, one of these affidavits in Michigan, the former assistant attorney general signed on to this. I mean, th- th- these are these are acts of disbarment and acts of of of, of, of perjurious acts. If this is just you know, oh, Trump gaslighting again, like what we're seeing from the mainstream media, I, I think this has entered a completely different realm than the than the campaign itself. But what are your thoughts on that, Benjamin? Well, first of all, to your point about gaslighting, the media majors in gaslighting, so that's the height of projection. And let's take a step back. There are legitimate questions that have never been answered, big picture questions about what transpired on election night and in the in the wee hours after and then subsequent to that. First of all, why did the counting stop seemingly only in the battleground states where Trump was leading by large margins and the vast majority of them? How could it possibly be that there are reports out there showing that there were dumps of tens of thousands of votes that were literally 100 percent? in favor of one candidate, completely conflicting with the vote totals that were coming out of those very districts previously. Why is it that no one can ask any of these questions or get a straight answer on these questions? To your point about that sworn affidavit from a former assistant attorney general from the state of Michigan, he puts out very credible and clear allegations there. I put out a screenshot summary of those allegations Mm -hmm. from the lawsuit and a link to that affidavit. And Twitter has slapped a warning label on it. It says, essentially, that questions of election fraud are in dispute. And then it links to the official narrative, the official Twitter narrative about what we're all supposed to know and accept as truth about all elections in the history of America. You try to retweet that tweet. It also comes out, this message is in dispute. So just to be clear, Twitter is playing the role of a court here. Why is it that the corporate media and big tech 
and everyone else in our ruling class, our political establishment, our corporate establishment, our media establishment, is trying to censor and suppress legitimate questions if they're so confident in their position. And none of them are gonna answer that question. And I think it's a tell. It doesn't mean that this election is going to be overturned. It doesn't mean that the Trump campaign is necessarily going to prevail in all of these different pieces of litigation. But the questions need to be answered. And if you claim to care about election integrity, then you better care about getting to the truth of what transpired on election night. Even if a single vote doesn't flip, at the very least, we'll have some confidence in the integrity of our system. But as I see it right now, 50% of the country, to the extent we don't get some answers, is never going to have faith in our election system again. And the fact that anyone who dares challenge the official narrative gets attacked, I think only adds to our skepticism about the integrity of our elections and really the foundation of our republic itself. I think a key moment yesterday, because I, I, I think Team GOP has largely was largely silent until the last 24 to 48 hours because this was the perfect outcome for them. They gained House seats. Looks like they were to keep their Senate majority and got themselves, they thought, rid of Trump. But I, I, I think the exact opposite is true, that, that, um, that, that if, if this is how Trump goes down, he's Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Death Star. Uh, hanger he's more powerful struck down like this than you can imagine i mean he's he's never going away he's either the nominee in 2024 or he establishes the conservative platform that have a, a huge role in determining who that will be that there's better odds if he goes down like this there's better odds the ticket in 2024 is trump and trump jr than he is going away brother okay he is a living martyr and nothing sells better in human history than that okay well, I think a huge moment yesterday along those lines is when old Ditch in there, or Cocaine Mitch in the Senate, came out and said, hey, you know, we, we think the president's got enough evidence here to prosecute this fully and, and find out what happened here. Uh, translation, dude, their own internal polls showed with the uh, morning consult poll at Politico showed today that 70% of Republicans don't think the election was 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 fair and think it's rigged because this was all fun and games benjamin until someone was about to lose an eye and old ditch was about to lose a couple of them down in georgia because if they can do this in fulton county georgia to the president i don't know why they couldn't just do this to his two senate candidates in the january 5th runoff and so this all sounded great for a few days sitting silent and hanging out behind and in your Maginot line and, and saying hey trump you got him lone ranger we're back here you know we we, we got your back we're just way 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 in the back until they all started looking at their own internal polls and then also also looked at the fact well they're just going to do this to you after they get done doing it to him and and i think there's much more of a unified front on this today as we sit here on tuesday than there was even thursday or friday of next week am i wrong or last week i mean am i wrong and thank God there is that unity on this issue, because leaving aside their political self-interest, to your point that Mitch McConnell could end up in the minority and that would potentially destroy his legacy ultimately. And leaving aside the fact that the party should have been a more loyal defender of the president and by extension, the, the president as a proxy for the American people, given that the party wrote his coattails to amazing results on election night that flied in the face of all of their own polling. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is 
that he is a representative of the party that represents tens of millions of people. That force is going to continue, regardless of whether the establishment thinks it goes back to the status quo or not. And now what you're seeing, and I think you hit the nail on it, is they realize that they could be a permanent minority with no power and no ability to put forth any of their agenda items to the extent the Senate is lost as well. And a united front is needed on the merits. It's not just about the politics. This ultimately all comes down to the fact that, you know, the left always likes to talk about uh, voter suppression and the like. Well, it, it suppresses the, the voters in practice if you dilute their vote and you tell Americans that unlawful ballots are equal to lawful ballots. That is incredibly destructive of the fabric of our country. And thank God there is a much more unified front today. And let's hope it continues for the next several weeks as this whole thing is prosecuted. Final thing I want to ask you about, Benjamin, do you foresee, because I don't, do you foresee a circumstance where this does not end up in the lap of the Supreme Court of the United States? First of all, they're already involved with Justice Alito's order in Pennsylvania over the weekend. But with affidavits and, you know, the the Trump team is doing uh, here uh, on a legal basis, what frustrated people like me, they didn't do with the FISA courts. I mean, they're, they're making very specific allegations and they're going into court, filing lawsuits, issuing affidavits. I mean, I, I don't really care. When, once, you, once you go down that road, it doesn't really matter what some round table on Good Morning America thinks. I mean, this thing to me is getting adjudicated all the way. I mean, we have, you have state legislatures in three states now issuing emergency sessions. They're the ones that have to certify these votes before they send them to electors. I mean, I, I think this thing is going to the Supreme Court. Now, I don't anticipate John Roberts risking his suburban D.C. brownstone getting rolled over by the uh, by the leftist mobs by overturning the election. But at the very least, they're going to have to adjudicate this in some way. At the very least, they're going to have to acknowledge, I think, some form of irregularities took place. Uh, that that you know can't happen in future elections. Blah 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 blah. I don't see any way the Supreme Court doesn't render some kind of verdict here. But what do you think? Well, first of all, with respect to certainly the Pennsylvania case, it touches on so many different issues, and that the Supreme Court's already taken an interest in it. I think telegraphed the fact that clearly, and in fact, that order that you referenced telegraphs the fact that clearly they're going to hear something pertaining to it. Now, whether or not there are other cases that end up attached to it because they also deal with such critical questions about the separation of powers at the state levels and also how they interact with federal law when it comes to the judicial versus legislative decisions about voting law. I mean, all of those things certainly rise to the level. And what could be more important than elections for the Supreme Court to have an interest in? My biggest fear in route to the Supreme Court is that will these judges at the state level judge on the basis of the law or on the basis of politics. And four years ago, and certainly eight, 12 years ago, I wouldn't have had questions about that. But what we've seen in these four years has certainly shaken me to my core about my assumptions about how our system will actually function Mm -hmm. when it faces any sort of stress or when it faces anyone who dares challenge the powers that be, the political establishment. So I hold out great cautious optimism that the cases that need to rise to the level of the Supreme Court will, and hopefully the Supreme Court will decide accurately there and, and in accordance with the merits and on the basis of the law and, and not fold under political pressure. Now, how ultimately the remedies play out is a question that 
and many people, I'm sure, are looking at right now. And it's unclear. Are you going to see tens of thousands of ballots tossed out? Would you ever have a revote in a limited circumstance? Why don't, just, why don't just do a revote? They're doing a runoff in Georgia on January 5th. Just have the revote on January 5th Have it and have it all done in person. Just do that. Just do that on January 5th. Why not just do that? Yeah, I think we may end up in the realm of revotes. We may end up in the realm of potentially different slates of electors being selected by state legislators, which I'm sure you've you've looked at Mm -hmm. in depth. And there comes a question of the law versus the politics. And that's where it's important that conservative activists come out and voice their opinion strongly that we adhere to the law and that we don't let politics infringe upon it because that would be the the most disastrous scenario is oh well we know this there were illegitimate aspects of this election but you know what for the good of the country to keep it together well no that means that you're operating at the point of a gun held by the other side and the fact that they're drawing up enemies lists right now and threatening people's employment in tweets and censoring and manipulating and the like no we should never cow in the face of that sort of tyrannical behavior we should confront it forthrightly and soberly and with the truth on our side very well said benjamin weigarten thank you for joining us today brother great stuff appreciate having you with us here on blaze tv radio and podcast all right take care thanks so much for having me steve you bet gentlemen your thoughts on that conversation i think the minimum expectation for any any patriot who has any inkling about conserving uh what's left of america i I think the minimum expectation should be and i'm not saying expectation in the sense of here's what you can expect this is the expectation is in we should at least get this if we don't get this this is a total loss with dire consequences down the road the minimum expectation is that the supreme court issues a ruling even if it doesn't require a revote which we should expect that as well or hope for or maybe even tossing out ballots that arrived or were uh, illegal what have you the minimum expectation is that the Supreme Court, whatever ruling that comes across, makes it clear that these types of shenanigans where the state legislatures and lower courts can just willy nilly in the days leading up to an election decide what will and will not count as a ballot. That is never going to happen ever again. And I think we should expect as well that all of these states, I listed some that the Judicial Watch had in their September report. All of these states need to clean the heck up out of their voter rolls. The reason why they don't, let's just be honest, let's just be honest, leftism, we've seen this play out over and over again. Leftism thrives in chaos. When you have a list of people on your voter rolls that is completely dirty, that is completely unclean, that is completely in chaos, they know, they know that that's ramp and just uh, ripe for the pickings for voter fraud. So that has to be cleaned up as well. But again, I want to reiterate, the minimum expectation from a Supreme Court ruling is that it sends a shot across the bow that this is going to be cleaned up and the supreme court if this if cases like this ever make it there again uh we're going to reinforce the laws on the books that should be the minimum expectation because i think as the republicans including mitch mcconnell even are realizing um if you don't do something about this you're not going to be the party in charge like ever again ever i I think it's a kavanaugh moment yes and just as just as us on this show had to swallow our bile for him as a judicial appointment and understand 
the higher principle at stake here, that if you do want a better judge in the future, and if we can just let them willy-nilly with no evidence whatsoever, just character assassinate on demand, you won't get that judge either. And I think the same thing is true for those of you on the right who who either can't bring yourself to like Trump or have to swallow bile to do it. And sometimes I do, frankly, this is, there's a higher principle at stake along of what Aaron just pointed out. I want to say, sorry, I want to say one more thing. I I understand the fatigue. I understand not wanting to put any more political capital than you absolutely have to out for Donald Trump. This is not about him though. This is not about him because he has always, always been the icon on the desktop to the left of you. He's yes. always been a front for you. Very well said. That's why you have to fight on this. That's why you have to. I know you're tired. I am tired of his t- tweets. I'm tired of his personality. You got to fight for this. Don't let them give uh, don't don't let them get any inch for free. We'll come back an hour of fake news or not as we dive into the 2020 election data next. We are back with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Over on Parlor at Steve Dace. Check out our YouTube channel, which is now new, but probably soon to be extinct, at YouTube.com slash Steve Dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. Also, We have gotten a multitude of emails already. Yes, Aaron's montage on voting irregularities slash fraud evidence. We are going to be releasing that on all of our socials today, which could very well be the last opportunity you will ever have. Oh, it's already up. To engage us on our socials. Well, take advantage of it now while you still can. But we are going to be releasing that today and already are releasing it. So you may share it with others. Facebook, Twitter, etc. right now as we speak. YouTube as well. Also, don't forget, if you are a podcast listener to the show, thank you very much. Hopefully, you'll get to continue to do that, but we can't guarantee that either because we don't run iTunes or Stitcher or Google. But if you do listen during uh, or via one of those platforms or Spotify or Amazon, if you haven't done this yet, hit the subscribe button for us. Leave us a five-star review. The more of those of you that do, the more I think it helps the show to grow, but I'm not entirely sure what's going on right now. So thank you to all of you that have left us one of those five-star reviews. Hit the subscribe button for us already. Also at noon here, local times, you know, I got my built bar in. I'm saving my fall flavors. Now somebody just emailed me and told me the pumpkin one, the pumpkin chocolate chip cookie is back in stock. I cannot verify that, but if it is, That is the best protein bar flavor you've ever had. I mean, that flavor is ridiculously good. Now, I just had the double chocolate. Give me a little protein boost here to get ready for hour two. 18, I'm sorry, 19 flavors now because there's the new caramel apple. 19 flavors all covered in real chocolate with the texture and feel of a Three Musketeers bar. It's that smooth. It tastes like a candy bar. You've never had a protein bar this good. I mean, it's like life-changing, guys. It's that good, all right? And 
less than five grams of sugar per bar, up to 20 grams of protein per bar. It's got the nutrition you're looking for, the sugar you don't want. It's almost too good to be true, but it's real. Use my name, Dace, to get 20% off your order right now with that promo code Dace at Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T, BuiltBar.com. Again, promo code Dace at BuiltBar.com. All right, we're going to play our weekly game of fake news or not. This week, though, we're going to do it a little bit differently. I have prepared some, I guess we'll call them juicy nuggets of information, morsels of data, combing through both the polling and the exit polling from the 2020 election. What was real? What was fake? We're going to go through this section by section during the course of this hour and break it all down here for you on the Steve Day Show. And then make sure that you bookmark this hour and never forget it for if we are fortunate enough to have another one of these elections in four years you're going to know whom you can trust and who you can't all right sound fair because a lot of the questions you guys have asked about the the polling data methodology breakdowns we've done got a really nice compliment from somebody today says you guys actually make dry data i don't understand accessible and entertaining. That's a great compliment. One of the things I've always I've had, I've had two real goals with this show. Outside of my own personal ambitions, I've had two two meta goals with this show. One was to make to see if we could help bring a biblical worldview back into the mainstream of American thought, debate, discussion again. That's our number one meta goal. The number two goal, though was to take you behind the scenes of the process and power you with real information and data. Not just rely on on hacks with with whiteboards on Fox News to lie to you about what's really going on, but to to show you. It's the kind of the, the Chinese proverb, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, you feed him for life, right? I want you to know how to do what I do. I want to empower you with that so that you can know whether I'm being lied to or not. So you know what is fake news or not. And that's part of what we're going to do here in this hour is empower you. So you can play some Monday morning quarterback here. Let's begin with this. This is the Real Clear Politics national average. Meaning it's an amalgamation of what Real Clear Politics, probably the most respected political website in America. It's an amalgamation of what they consider to be the most credible polls in every cycle. And they put it together with their RCP national average. This year, the Real Clear Politics national polling average was off by 4.1 points. Remember how I talked about how it almost nailed the election in 2016? This year, it was off by 4.1 points, which is the biggest miss in the history of the Real Clear Politics polling average that goes back to 2000. So you got 20 years there. That's not a small data. It's not a small sample size. 20 years of data. The previous record was in 2012 when it was off by 3.2 points against Obama. It underestimated Obama by 3.2 points in his reelect in 2012. It underestimated Trump based on the numbers we currently have. They're not done counting yet. 
And I mean that like in a legit case, not just in the <laughs> how many more votes do we need to win the Electoral College case. So far, it has underestimated Trump by 4.1 points. That's the biggest miss in 20 years that they've been doing this at Real Clear Politics. And when you consider the, that this is, a, this is a compilation of data, that's a big miss. We're not talking about one or two renegade outfits that are way off and they throw the curve off. That is a massive miss. When you look at, hey, what's the proverb say? There's wisdom in a what? A multitude of counsel, right? They're taking a multitude of counsel at Real Clear Politics. So to be off by over four points with that much data, because if you've got a couple of outliers and you have a couple of people that kind of bring the curve back in, right? So you find what the median number is. To be off by that much is systemically bad. Gentlemen, questions, comments, or insults you have on that first data set there. My first question, can you give me the elevator speech of what your recollection is? Why was it off with Obama? It underestimated what he could turn out on game day. That um, it underestimated his ability which goes to what's going on in this election right now. I don't know if you asked this question on purpose or kind of walked into it, but it's a good segue either way. It underestimated his ground game on game day in inner city America. And that was overwhelmingly, you saw this play out in Wayne and Washtenaw County in Michigan. You saw it play out in Cuyahoga and Hamilton counties in Ohio. You saw it play out in it's in the counties where in, in Milwaukee and Dane County, but particularly Milwaukee County in Wisconsin. You saw him turn out mass amounts of black or minority voters that over that exceeded what the polls were able to were able to find, and that ground game in those inner city counties is how he overwhelmed Mitt Romney on game day. What this election is claiming is that the 80-year-old blue hair, uh, blue hen from Delaware, is actually more popular with those exact same voters in those exact same places than Barack Obama himself was. The 80-year-old white guy, blue hair from Delaware, is more popular in Milwaukee County, Wisconsin, than Barack Obama was is more more popular in Wayne County, Michigan than Barack Obama was is more popular in Fulton County, Georgia than Barack Obama was. That's what this election is currently claiming. Well, that's impossible. Something that's closer to impossible is that perhaps Trump is hated on a level as uh, Barack Obama was adored. But then you look at the data and with with minority voters, and that's not true either, at least. A, a, as we'll a, see later on. Right. It, it, so, there's an incongruency so, here. One side of the equation is clearly wrong. Yes. So anyways, I asked the question just I, we're dealing with, in my estimation, uh, I think on this point, we're dealing with apples and oranges. You're describing what's can be filed under honest mistake in 2012 sure on some level yeah. i i i don't believe that's even remotely in the vein of what's going on here well we'll see that with where we're going next aaron do you want to comment on the rcp national average you want us to move on yeah i would keep i would keep this in mind as well let me look this up real quick because the rcp average is only the last what 10 polls yes only the last 10 polls yes and remember, the polls were starting to tighten yeah. just a little bit. 
Great just point. a little bit. So keep that in mind as well. When you see that, that set a record for being off. 4.1 points, and that was with the last 10 polls, which included a tightening. Uh, so what if you would have, what if the election would have been two weeks, two weeks before it was in the polling where it was, where it was, where exactly. would it have been right. off then? So right. that's just an indication that 4.1 number really isn't even indicative of the totality of the polling that we've had for the vast majority of this year. That's an excellent point. So let's itemize this. Here are the polls included in the Real Clear Politics polling average. All right. These are the polls that were included in the average I just showed you. There's a lot more polls than this. I didn't look at any of those. I just looked at the ones that are included in the RCP average. These are their final polls. The final poll that they put out. Monmouth is not included in here because they put out their final national poll at the end of September. They didn't do a national poll after that. And I just think didn't think it would be fair to them to include them. Okay. The rest of these were all done within the final two weeks of this election. Most of them within the final day or two. And I've ranked them from the most off to the most accurate. CNN's final Nash and, 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 and that this is as on brand as it gets, folks. All right. CNN is the most inaccurate poll of 2020. OK, I mean, if I just not if, if, if we'd not shown this graphic, if Aaron hadn't flashed it up. And I just asked you, Todd, blind taste test. Tell me which poll you thought was the most inaccurate one of 2020. What would you have probably guessed? How many guesses would it take before you guess CNN? Two at the most. Right. Yeah. All right. CNN was the most inaccurate. It was off by 8.9 points. But here's the, that's incredible. That's a fire everybody, we're ashamed of ourselves mistake. Except they were not the only ones that made that same mistake. NPR also off by 8.9 points. USC which actually did a fairly good job with its daily tracking poll. They're trying to take over for the old Gallup daily tracking poll. They actually did a pretty good job with it four years ago. Way off this year. Off by 8.9 points alongside NPR and CNN. Quinnipiac rated an A-plus pollster according to 538. Might want to update those pollster ratings. They were off by 7.9 points. Folks, that's, 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 100, that's more than 100% outside your margin for error. More than 100% outside of it. Which means this is 100% dung. That's what it means. Dung. Garbage. Quinnipiac off by 7.9 points. CNBC off by 6.9 points. The NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. Remember we were kids next to Gallup? Man, that was like the... Uh, you know, it was elixir from the gods. What was, was in that poll, right? They were also off by 6.9 points. Are you noticing the grouping here? We'll talk about that in a minute. Notice how there, several of them are off by the same number it's interesting. together. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, YouGov, which is an online polling firm from the UK originally uh, that does work with CBS News, off by 6.9 points as well. I guess we now know why the New York Times and Siena College did their final national poll two weeks before the election, because doing it two weeks out, they were still off by 5.9 points. If they had waited even longer, they would have looked even dumber. So they cut their losses. Uh, Fox News. And aren't they having a moment? Fox News was off by 4.9 points. Harris polling 
was off by 4.9 points. Survey USA off by 4.9 points. Notice again the grouping, the clustering here. USA Today off by 4.9 points. Reuters off by 3.9 points. Now the rest of these were off within or about their margin for error. Rasmussen was off by 2.1 points. It was the only poll that overestimated Trump's support. It was the most accurate poll on a national basis in 2016. Emerson College polling was only off by 1.9 points. That's an outstanding job, frankly. The rest of these did a very good job. Uh, Investors Business Daily, that was the second most accurate poll in 2016. They were only off by 0.9 as of the current vote count. So whoever's doing the polling at IBD is good at this. And then I would have never get now this you would have never guessed in a million years. The Hill tied Investors Business Daily as the most accurate poll of 2020 off by, by 0.9. Because if you just followed the Hill on Twitter yep. and read their headlines, that. you would think you would think that that the, the the Democratic National Committee writes pretty much all of their stories. Yet credit where credit is due. Hey, we follow the data on this show. And the Hill tied Investors Business Daily as the most accurate poll of 2016. I'm sorry, 2020. Given how volatile this electorate was, I think all four of those polls, Rasmussen, Emerson, Investors Business Daily, and the Hill, can all give themselves a massive helmet sticker because they were also going against the grain of everyone else. I mean, look, we we dropped from 3.9 outside the margin for error down into the twos. Like there wasn't a 3.4, 3.5, a 2.9. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- there, that's a that that's that point or so and a half is a pretty big difference. So these four bucked the trend and nailed it. I mean, you're not. It's it's hard to do this right on the nose. That's a really good job by all four of them, with Rasmussen being the only one of all the polls, the only poll in the entire Real Clear Politics polling average, whose error was too much in favor of Donald Trump, was theirs. Everybody else, the rest of their errors, okay, um, the rest of their errors were all against Trump. Um, these final polls underestimated Trump's support, get this. By an average of 4.73 points per poll. Underestimated Trump's support by an average of 4.73 points. That is well outside their collective margin for error. In other words, they were fundamentally flawed, as I told you all along. They were fundamentally flawed. Gentlemen, your thoughts? I think some of the fakest news that there may be is the assertion that if the polls ended up being that flawed, as you say, that this industry is over with several people. No, I think they did it. I think they did their job. I think the opposite is true. That's my point. Yeah. They're, they're now narrative uh, purveyors. They're they're narrative reinforcers. I, I, you know, I, I had a guy at the American family association call me, who's been following my work on the polls and wanted to know what I thought after the election. He's like, Hey, you probably think these things are going to, no, they did their job. 
I don't think that they failed at all. They did what they set out to do, which was to reinforce a narrative, provide political pornography for people in the left America to masturbate, mentally masturbate to, and they gave it to them. I, I, I mean, you have to understand, they're not George Gallup. These folks aren't George Gallup. They're Larry Flint. Yes. If you understand that, That's- if you understand that they're Larry Flint and not George Gallup, then it all begins to make sense then. And this is in fairness to them. I'm saying, listen, I don't blame anybody uh, for not wanting to participate in their scam, not trusting it, manipulating it. But if, if our friends at Trafalgar, and is there a reason why? I mean, I don't want to go down. They don't do a national tracking poll that so, I uh, saw, what, but, but they, they weren't, they're not included. They're including the RCP average of the battleground states, which we'll get to in a moment, but they're not in the national average, no. But if our friends at Trafalgar are correct in, in simply saying the trust in the system is so complete that you have to work that much harder to get an accurate count on that side. Mm-hmm. These people, even if they didn't have to work that hard, they already want a certain outcome. Yeah. They're not going to work that hard. If, if, if they don't want to pro- provide no. your side in their news, why would they work even harder no. to get your side in their polls? You're, you're, that, that's, not the, that's not the Pornhub uh, tab page that their customers want to click on. They don't want to click on the right-wing porn. They want to click on their stuff. You know what I'm saying? So they're getting off on their kind of porn. But not, they don't yeah. want you. you you're, you're phallus blocking them by being in the picture. Yeah. You, you're in the way. This, yeah. is, this is the equivalent of calling a 1-900 number yes. and thinking some smoking hottie is telling yes. you sweet nothings when yes. it's, you know, it's uh, 250. Hey, I'm with, yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, it's the CNN poll, oh, yeah. man. What you, what you what got the, on, girl? What you wearing tonight? That's what this is. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. We had an overtime episode at one point uh, talking about, or maybe it was uh, maybe it was the day's group at one point. I, I can't remember. Talking about what are the big questions that you want answered from this election? And, and the big question that I wanted answered was, what is the purpose of public polling? What is the purpose of public polling? Is public polling's purpose to actually uh, inform the public of a snapshot of of where America is, where the psyche of America is when it comes to issues or candidates, or is public polling just propaganda? I wanted the answer to that question. And now you have it. I have it now. Great polling. <laughs> I, I would say great polling, and you, you you know more about this than I do, so I'll, I'll defer to you. Great polling is, is when you're within, when you nail a result or you're within maybe a half point to a point of the actual result. Of the actual result, adequate polling is when you're within the margin of error. Um, bad polling is when you are outside of the margin of error by outside of the margin of error by maybe a point. Propaganda is when you're 100 percent or more outside of the yep. margin of error, with the ex- with, with the exception of those final four or five polls that we talked about in the in the slide previous. How many of those were outside 100 percent or more of the margin of error? Basically, all of them. Yeah, basically all of them. It's straight propaganda. But as you said, Steve, this is this is not this is not the end of the the polling industry. Nah. They're just doing their job now. No, it's just a, it's a pornographic be, industry now. There, there's going to be more money. There's going to be yeah. more money coming their way uh, in 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 coming elections. So that's that's the answer to the question, and the worst the worst possible answer is is what we got. Now let's look at the battleground polls because now you start where the local polling entities now start entering into the RCP average. 
people that are actually on the ground, universities, local media, etc. All right. Um, let's do these in alphabetical order. The arts, this is done by the Real Clear Politics polling average in each state. It projected Biden at 0.9. Now, at the time I did this report, it was 0.5. It's actually lower than that. I mean, I just saw a vote count that has Biden up by like 1,500 votes or something in Arizona. Okay. So you're down to 0.1 or 0.2. Uh, in Florida, had Biden 0.9. Trump won the state by 3.4. In Georgia, it had Trump 0.1 or Trump plus one. It is currently Biden plus 0.2. Iowa had Trump plus two. Trump won it by 8.2. Michigan, Biden by 4.2. Uh, Biden won a court right now by 2.7. Ohio, Trump plus one. Trump won it by 8.2. Nevada, Biden plus 2.4. That's actually currently it says Biden plus 2.4, but that margin is narrowed as well. North Carolina, Trump plus 0.2. It's currently Trump plus 1.4. Pennsylvania, Biden plus 1.2. It's currently Biden plus 0.6. Texas, Trump plus 1.3. He won it by 5.8 currently. Wisconsin, Biden plus 6.7. Biden actually right now has a lead in the state of 0.7. Only one battleground state's polling overestimated Trump's support. And it happened in a traditionally red state of Georgia. One nailed it. Um, in, uh, and that was in... in um, NOH, what is NOH? Uh, I can't remember what that stands for, actually. The other nine all underestimated Trump's support. Nine of the 11 battleground states underestimated Trump's support by an average of three and a half points, which is just outside their collective margin for error. So they performed a little better. Uh, maybe a lot better because the national polls are trash. These were just wrong. So I guess that's an upgrade. You can go from trash to bad to wrong. Okay. So that's better. But get this. This is the second consecutive election that polling in Ohio and Wisconsin was the most off the mark among all the battlegrounds. Second consecutive election that this occurred. And the polling I mentioned where they nailed it was in Nevada. But they nailed it at the time I did this memo, but the margin has shrunk since then. So 11 battleground states. Only one overestimated Trump support. That was in Georgia, which is a traditionally red state. One nailed it. That's Nevada. The other nine all underestimated Trump support outside their margin for error. And Ohio and Wisconsin were the two most inaccurately polled states in the country for the second consecutive election. Thoughts on the battleground state polling? Well, this was my point yesterday about how how you said you're th- you're you've been pretty accurate uh, both in terms of uh, COVID data and then po- interpreting polling data. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in as far as you know, giving us the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, asking some reasonable questions about now what's going on with this election. Mm-hmm. But with the, with this this polling data, it's not just because you happen to be good about analyzing numbers that don't have anything to do with this one. So you, you, the, 
the numbers as it applies to the polling has everything to do with the specifics of why we should be calling this election into question. It's all the fact that it's all so wrong in the same direction and uh, enough to be uh, at least at or outside the margin of error says everything to me about the base fundamental motivations that are brought to the table on any and all things electoral this is it you, you look at how many differences uh there are be benefits of the doubt like you're hearing things about john the treatment of john mccain mm -hmm. was such that okay fine uh georgia the the the, the ongoing stacy abram things you know there's a there's any number of these are, states are not all the same sure yet this ultimately comes out to being meaning that meaning that there's parochial issues in each of yes. these states but yet even in that case it doesn't the wash. polling is still uniformly wrong Yes. Despite those individual parochial outliers and concerns, that's exactly you're right. Those things There's, should wash they, that, that out. That's to some exactly extent. right. They should not be as symmetrical. No. Yeah, I said. I, I remember. I said elections are symmetrical. I didn't say polling was right. Right. Okay. So elections are symmetrical because human beings run in packs. But I, but I, I should find things differently in Wisconsin or Ohio than I do in these other states. Instead, it certainly looks like it, kind of the same operation. We just had a narrative to tell, and we told it. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. And then, in this case, some local entities that will account for those parochial concerns, they're led into the average, which they then were able to raise the bottom of the bell curve, so the median was a little bit more accurate, right? Mm -hmm. But by and large, if I'm Quinnipiac... I'm that far off and, and go, I'm that off because I'm doing the same thing nationally. I'm doing the same thing when I pull a Florida. I'm that far off. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. You're exactly right about that. So it wasn't that the national polling entities did these states better. It's that there were, there were local entities that know the factors on the ground better that made this look better. The national polling entities were just as bad at these battleground state polls as they were nationally. It's just here there was more of a local presence to try to even that a little mm -hmm. bit more out in the wash. When we come back, we're going to look in depth at the exit polling comparing 2020 to 2016. Next. So what does COVID-19 have to do with losing your home? Turns out it could be a lot because the feds are saying that uh, since we started having to do more stuff online and less in person than ever before, cybercrime has skyrocketed 75% in America and it gets even worse because our home titles are kept online as well. And so thieves have created a whole new crime. It's called home title fraud, sometimes referred to as home title theft. They go online, forge your signature on a quick claim deed, refile as the new owner of your 
your home, and then before you know it, you're off the title. Uh, they take out loans against your home, steal your equity, your cash, stick you with the payments, maybe even a foreclosure notice. Thankfully, though, you've got Home Title Lock out there to put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that the moment they detect anything nefarious, they will mobilize to shut it down. But first things first, right now, go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Register your address to see if you're already a victim, and then use the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection for your most important asset, your own home. 30 free days of protection with the code RADIO at HomeTitleLock.com. One more quick note on the polling we just did, because you and I were just talking about this, Todd. There's no excuse for the pollsters getting the two, the same two states the most wrong two cycles in a row. Human nature is when you're that far off as they were in Ohio and Wisconsin four years ago, human nature would be to overcorrect. Instead, they were that far off in those same two states again. That is problematic for the credibility of the industry is what that is. It's also obviously on purpose. Yes. Again, either it's on purpose or all these people just suddenly started to suck at this. And if it's on purpose, then they suddenly got very good at it. Now let's look at the exit polls. Now, I don't know what to make of these because I have no idea how you exit poll people when, what is it, 40% of the people voted in mail order? So I I don't know. Mail order. (laughs) Sorry, mail in. That's it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Freudian slip. Yes. (laughs) Hey, we need some votes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a live one here. Uh, Some white walls and they need some mail order ballots. Thank you. Um, uh, Get those from Eastern Europe too, apparently. But uh, I don't know how accurate the exit polling is in this election. But just for giggles, let's go through it. But I want to go through it with a specific angle. I want to compare 2016 to 2020. All right. Mm -hmm. Let's look at this by age group. Younger voters did not turn out much more uh, in 2020 than they did in 2016. So again, the promise that young voters would deliver a decisive victory that's happened like twice ever. Uh, 1960 and 2008 hasn't really happened any other election in modern times. Uh, But Biden did win the youth vote by eight more points than Hillary Clinton did. She won it by 19 four years ago. The exits say Biden won it by 27 this time. Trump won 45 to 64 year olds by Eight points four years ago, but lost them by one point this year, according to the exits. Trump won seniors by seven points in 2016, but only won them by three points in 2020. Any quick hot takes stand out to you guys there about the exits on age group? Well, this the the my first reading through this and seeing about the younger voters, this does give some level and credence to uh, what Bob Vanderplatz has asserted about his own sons mm-hmm. when he's been on the show before that there and it might be for the exact same reasons as their loathing of Hillary Clinton, like you show me. They're kind of the show. Yeah, I gave myself more permission to hate Trump because I didn't have somebody I hated as much on the other side, if not more. Right? Well, and just like okay. they're, they're, right. they're, they, they might, it might not be a progressive or a conservative thing. It might just, it might the just best be a case scenario axe. is that Aaron's generation is just like, I'm tired of all your okay. horse puppies. All right, let's continue because I don't, the, the good yeah. stuff is coming up. All right. On race and gender, the gender gap was exactly what it was four years ago, plus 13 for Democrats. But Trump lost 10 points of men. Winning men overall by only one point, according to the exits. 
That drop-off was most felt, get this, among white men, which Trump won by a robust 18 points in 2020. But here's the problem. That's that's a 13-point dip from where he was in 2016 when he won white men with a dominant plus 31. That's the whole, according to the exits, that's the whole election right there. White males are the reason Trump may have lost, according to the exits, because he gained everywhere else. Like, Karen, we owe an apology to. This explains Trump winning, I was like, not necessarily, Trump winning college-educated whites by three points in 2016, but he broke even with them this year. Trump had an eight-point drop with non-college-educated whites. He won them by 37 four years ago. He won them by 29 this year. Biden actually won white college-educated men by two points, according to the exits, after Trump won them by 14 in 2016. Trump improved by eight points to actually win white college-educated women, a group that he lost in 2016. So, Karen, we're sorry. Carl, we're whooping your ass. All right? That's what that means. Uh, Cannot be stressed enough that white males are the group, according to the exits, that may have cost Trump this election. This is also reflected in a 10 to 20 point swing towards Democrats in every major Georgia suburb, a nine point swing towards Democrats in every major Michigan suburb, and an 11 point swing towards Democrats in every major Pennsylvania suburb. And those numbers are compared to 2016. Everywhere else, Trump gained three points with white women, seven points with black women, seven points with black men, two points with Latino women, six points with Latino men. Trump received the highest percentage of non-white voters by a Republican presidential candidate since 1960, according to the exit polls, but was done in by white men. Any thoughts on this? Aaron, I'll go to you this time. White patriarchy for the win. That is Donald Trump's main demo from what you just laid out. Wait a minute. More non-white vote than any Republican candidate since 1960, and he barely won white men. Okay, so, huh. Huh. Things that make you go, huh. That's that's what all that is. I'm actually more inclined to believe the exit polls... I mean, I'd have to know. I'd have to know how they're weighted and things like that. But exit polls are done uh, from people who voted in person, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. That skews. You'd have to think heavily. We think. We, we don't think, know. We would think that would skew heavily Republican, heavily Donald Trump's way. And so this is absolutely surprising and flies in the theories that we had in place prior to this. But I, I would just say white male patriarchy for the win. That That's my takeaway. Let's go to religion. I'm going to give you this one, Todd. All right. All the polls, remember we kept saying they were forecasting a lower white evangelical turnout in 2020. I said, there's no way that's happening. Okay. I was right. In fact, this could end up being the highest white evangelical turnout since we began making a note of it. Last election set the record, 26%. The exit polls say it's 27% of the overall electorate, meaning more than one out of every four people that voted in America identified as a white evangelical. 
Trump dominated as expected, but did get a slightly smaller percentage of this group. He got 80% in 2016, but 77% in 2020. But given the higher turnout, it's a wash. That, that would not have cost him the election if he lost. This might have, though. Trump won Catholics by a single point. Actually, slightly less than a single point. If the current results hold up in court, meaning nothing changes, based on what we know right now, Donald Trump is going to be only the second presidential candidate since Roe v. Wade to win Catholics by any amount and still lose the election. George W. Bush in 2000 is the only other one. In fact, Trump right now joins Ronald Reagan as the only Republican to win Catholics twice in the history of media exit polling. And despite Trump's strong pro-Israel policy, Biden actually did one point better than Hillary with Jewish voters, getting 72% of Jewish voters overall. Todd. That, that last one makes me... We, Biden got 72%. I just Jewish voters, say, yes. When Jews were literally in New York being hounded yes. and rounded yes. up. Um that yes. That's just invincible ignorance and spirit of the age stuff. As for Catholics, I'm my tribe so I can say this, screw you guys. I mean my God, the the second Catholic uh president, President Orwell, had promised you that uh eight year olds should be able to transgender yourself and you, you the best you got is fifty one percent. I mean I this is this is all the religion it, liberals who are sitting around talking about uh, religions being opiates of the masses, you're ac- absolutely right, but in the opposite direction you think of. It, it apparently, the modern version of it makes you incredibly stupid. I've got to say one thing, though, but you're letting Karen off the hook too e- easily. Remember our friend Brad Wilcox? He says the irony about uh, limousine from the liberals. marriage project. From the marriage project. He says that the most married people mm-hmm. are elite suburban liberal yep. Uh, people. Yep. These men we're talking about they're married to Karen, the ones who, are, and whatever they did in the past and said, "Honey, you go your way, I'll go mine." That's not happening anymore. Their, well, their it, balls are in a vice. I agree, but apparently Karen actually had some second thoughts when she got to the ballot box and said, "On second thought, I don't want the BLM mobs in my neighborhood, so we'll vote Trump." Meanwhile, their hubbies oh, went there and just kept the balls in the jar and voted accordingly. Then probably got out to the car and were shocked to hear uh, with, with the sugar mom, how the sugar mama voted inside the polling got, booth. Got to the polling booth, <laughs> flogged themselves and yes. rid themselves of their white privilege yes. like they were instructed to do. Finally, let's look at this breakdown by party. The current breakdown of the 2020 electorate, 37% Democrat, 35% Republican. Uh, that's a that's and twenty eight percent independent. That's a three point improvement for Republicans over two thousand and sixteen. That that's that's a big when you're looking at the whole country. That's a big turnout improvement. A three point drop for independents and a one point drop for Democrats. So plus two turnout for Democrats in a presidential election would be one of their lowest in the history history of exit polling. Trump suffered an 18-point negative swing with independents after winning them by four points in 2016. He lost them, according to these exits, by 14 points in this election. I have to tell you, though, I doubt this. Because he should have then lost the popular vote by six, seven, eight points. He should have a, a popular vote loss similar to what a John McCain had in 2008. But do remember, I did say that given what I thought the turnout model was going to be, as long as Trump did not hemorrhage independent voters, that he would win. Remember I said that? According to the exits, he did hemorrhage them. Also remember this. 
According to Pew, a majority of registered independents in America are white. About 56% of the registered independents in America are white. So there could be a correlation there with some of the white voting data that we see elsewhere. Oh, and so much for Never Trump and the Lincoln Project and all of its efforts uh, to convince conservatives or Republicans to vote for Biden. Trump actually improved from 88% of GOP voters in 2016 to a robust 93% in 2020. So it, it didn't have any impact whatsoever. That, that will be tied for the highest percentage of Republican voters by a Republican candidate since Ronald Reagan's re-elect in 1984. All right, gentlemen, your thoughts on that? Well, what matters most is those independent voters in states like Wisconsin, uh, Michigan. And I've, I've talked about this before. If, if you live in those purple, the, the, those swing states, and you've been under the oppressive thumb of Evers and Whitmer in those states, you felt it, and, and you still swung by that uh, level uh, um, of uh, direction uh, to the Democrats, I don't, again, we're just talking levels of invincible ignorance here. I, I, I can understand a few points. I can understand it holding firm, but honestly, there's just no, there's no narrative apparently that can save you. You you are simply part of a middle school um cult of personality that simply wants what it wants and is it this has nothing to do about reason or science or anything like that nature and that's very dispiriting because we cannot have a representative republic if your whims are so facile all right aaron we get your thoughts here in just a second i want to mention rough greens one more time uh, hey, you do a lot of cool things for your pet, but make sure you're getting your pet the nutrition it needs. Chances are it's not getting that from that store-bought food that's been stripped of those vitamins, minerals, nutrients, uh, omega oils, etc., because they want it to last for a long time on the shelf. Same thing with our food for the people. That's why we buy so many supplements these days, but now your pet has one as well. It's called Rough Greens. It's a powder that you, a good tasting powder, according to my dog, Cap, that you mix in with the food your dog already loves, and it'll have all the good stuff missing from that store-bought food and Right now, you can try it for just 14 days for just $14.95 to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Aaron, your thoughts. So I think it was Josh Hammer who was on the program last week. He's the op-ed editor, opinion editor at uh, Newsweek, who talked about the the dueling notions of narrative capital n versus truth i think it was josh hammer who was on to talk about that last week or at least mentioned it in passing and when we're going through both the polling reconciliation as well as the exit polls how much of our country how much of our fellow countrymen have the luxury the privilege if you will of being able to accept the capital N narrative whole cloth about everything in this year. How many of them actually had that actually have the privilege and the wealth. This is what Todd talks about all, all the time as well to actually accept the narrative. It seems like it's maybe half the country or more mm-hmm. if you believe it. 
The truth is its own reward, but that is becoming increasingly difficult, not only to find, but to, um, but to actually propagate and get out there. A pearl of because, great price, perhaps? Yes, a pearl of great price. Well put. Because the narrative is all that matters when the people who are spinning the narrative are the ones in control of all of your major cultural centers are able and willing to use cultural jamming in order to case, 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 death count, death count, death count, death count. Biden's ahead by nine. Biden's ahead by 14. Biden's ahead. You see what I'm saying? When they are the ones in control of all of those, all of those centers of cultural sway, the truth, just finding it is hard enough, but actually getting it out there people to people is is exponentially more difficult. That's going to do it for us. We're going to stick around and do the overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.